right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. A day early and a very fired up New York, New York. The final New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson Stremski, before the big wedding day on Friday. So I apologize in advance for giving you this podcast 24 hours earlier, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. In many ways, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it hasn't hit home yet until now. Just getting off set on my last television appearance. getting the last podcast in where it's like, holy smokes, I'm getting married in two days. I got all these people coming to celebrate me and Kate. It is going to be outrageous. I'm sure I'm going to have some insane stories to break down on Sunday's pod. And for all of you that have been very kind and very nice, whether it's via voicemails, whether it's via Twitter or Instagram that have said very, very kind things to me from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. I love you all. And hopefully... It's the beginning of a very happy and continued successful life for Kate and myself. So, God willing on that. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. I promise you, it's not going to be a 40-minute fluff piece of my wedding for the next couple of days, but we did have to address the elephant in the room. You know, there was another elephant in the room. The Yankees hadn't won a game and hadn't had a lead in like a week. They had lost nine consecutive games after their first loss to the Washington Nationals. It was the longest losing skid in Yankee history going all the way back to 1982 when Thriller was the number one album in America, where Olivia Newton-John's physical was the number one song in America. Clyde King was manager of the New York Yankees. And think about this for a minute. I am born in 1988. That is six years before my existence here on this earth. That is the last time before. Tuesday night, the Yankees had lost nine consecutive games. Well, they did not lose 10 consecutive games. And it's all Brian Cashman's doing. It's because Brian Cashman had to go and and call a little powwow before the game, and that all of a sudden changed everything. That's it. Season save for the Yankees. No, I'm just kidding. Look, I'll give Cashman credit for the impromptu presser. He didn't have to do it. 
I think he kind of realized, listen, I am the front man for the mess that is the 2023 New York Yankees. More so even than Aaron Boone, who we love to kill. And listen, I I have to be totally transparent. It has nothing to do with these John Boy guys, who I like. I think they're good guys. I think they do a good job. I wake up on Tuesday, after or Wednesday, after the Yankees lose, what is it, eight in a row? It was before Tuesday's game. Do I need to see a picture with the manager? Like, they're doing their job. They're not doing anything wrong. I, just, it didn't sit well with me. You want me to tell it like it is? It didn't sit well with me. More on Boone's end than on their end. And I get it. He's facing the music. He's doing the interview. He's going in to do it. I'm just like, I don't need this photo op right now. The last thing I want to see is anybody with Aaron Boone happy. Like, it's not their fault, but, like, that bothered me. Uh, I'm going to be honest. It bothered me. Not on their end. It bothered me from his end. Maybe that's unfair. I don't know. But, like, when the Yankees are losing games left and right, I'm going to be annoyed. I'm going to be ticked off. So, on the subject of accountability, yeah, Cashman spoke. And it came out of nowhere. Nobody knew it was coming. So, of course, you know, I get a couple of texts. Oh, is he stepping down? I'm like, guys, you're not getting a whole lot here. And my biggest problem from what I heard from Brian Cashman is this. He mentions the things quote-unquote, shit happening to the 2023 New York Yankees. Is there semblance of that? Is there truth in that? Of course there is. A lot of things have gone wrong for the 2023 New York Yankees. Here's the problem, though, Brian. And this is where, if I were in the audience listening to that, this would have been my question. You go on this soliloquy about how, at the beginning of the year, not media members, not anybody in this room, not anybody in baseball, would have picked the Yankees to be on the outside looking in for the playoffs. And that nobody in baseball would have said, oh, this is not a playoff viable roster. Sure. Here's my problem. How many people around baseball, truth serum, looked at the Yankees preseason and said, yeah. Even though they went to the ALCS and got embarrassed and whooped and smoked by the Houston Astros in four straight games. How many people going into this year said, Yankees, this is the team that's going to break through and win a World Series. This is the team that has found a way to close the gap with the Houston Astros. Were, 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 the, were the pundits, the experts, picking the Yankees like crazy to go to the World Series? I know we didn't. I mean, shit, I didn't even pick the Yankees to win a division this year. That's reality. That's where the Yankees are delusional. And Cashman is off base. It's not about building a playoff caliber roster for the Yankees. You are the Yankees. Act like the Yankees. And I'm not saying that you're going to win a World Series every year. But isn't the idea to build a championship caliber roster? Not a playoff caliber roster. This is not Oakland. This is not Moneyball in the early 2000s with Billy Bean getting Scott Hatterberg and getting uh, Jermaine Dye and, and getting, uh, you name it, Billy Koch. Come on now. That is not what the standard should be for a team that hasn't been to a World Series in 13 years and is the Yankees. That's what's off base. That is what's off putting. But from here in Cashman today, sure seems like a guy's not going anywhere and not surprised. 
Not surprised. Did anybody think anything was going to change from the front office? Uh, no, I didn't. As much as you might want it to, as bad as this season may get, Brian Cashman is going to be the Yankee general manager in 2024. Is that comforting? No. Does that make me feel good? No. But it is the reality of the world for the Yankees. So, I'd love to have that sort of job security. Simmons, get me on the house Steinbrenner plan, baby. S-O-Y, get me on the house Steinbrenner plan. Let's go. My camera's getting knocked off. This is a total mess because you know what? Who wouldn't want that kind of job security? 30-something years in a gig? Jeez, you would think he works for New York City, for goodness sakes. Insanity. Now, Jets had a retirement out of nowhere today. Corey Davis. Is it earth-shattering? Not particularly. The Jets have their alpha in Garrett Wilson. They go and bring in Alan Lazard, who's Aaron Rodgers' buddy. They have another one of his buddies who might get more burned now in Randall Cobb. And they have McCall Hardman, who I think the Jets are very high on, who's going to be able to go and play the slot. You don't want to lose capable bodies out of nowhere. But this move, in in many ways, folks, does not change anything as far as the way I see it from a Jets standpoint. If anything, I think it allows this offense to now look at the two tight ends and for those two guys to maybe have more of a role with the passing attack. That means Tyler Conklin, and that means C.J. Uzama. I would expect that to be the case. So I was a little bit surprised, but there were a lot of rumors and rumblings about Corey Davis getting traded. Then you're trying to figure out what his role on this team is going to be. So I'm not stunned that come week one against the Buffalo Bills, he's not going to be there. Now, you know Aaron Rodgers is playing this Saturday. I can't believe people are making a big deal of this thing. Look, Aaron Rodgers says he wants to play. I love these knuckleheads who have never played NFL football, have never played the quarterback position, who are going to tell Aaron Rodgers what he should and what the Jets, what he should and should not do. Who the hell are you? You know? Listen, I don't love guys playing in preseason. I'll be the first to admit it. But if it's my team and the star and the MVP of the league from two years ago says, look, I want to play behind the line. I want to get on the field. I want to play a series or two. What are you going to say? No? Come on now. Like, that that sort of mentality is as lame and as, like, loserish as it gets. I've heard a lot of it this week. Just scrolling through Twitter. People getting their panties in a twist. Come on, man. What are we doing? Aaron Rodgers wants to play. You let him play. He's not playing four quarters of a preseason game. And don't lecture me on Jason Seahorn and Mark Sanchez. This, to try to compare those two, it, it, it's not even in the same stratosphere. Jason Seahorn is returning kicks or punt. Mark Sanchez is playing behind third-string offensive linemen in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. It's a little different. It's a little different. So everybody can just cool their damn jets about that, no pun intended. Curious to see how much you're going to see out of these giant guys. And tell you, that giant, that giant bandwagon is built, uh, filling up. It's filling up. You know, McAfee's high on him, I see on Twitter. Uh, my buddy, Kata, I see him the other day. He's talking about them being Super Bowl contenders. Sal, I love you. The giants are a good team. Super Bowl contender. Let's... 
Also, cool the Jets on. Let me see the Giants get to the playoffs for the second straight year. I like the quarterback. We all know that. I think they're more talented on offense. I think another year in Wink's defense, that pass rush should be able to go and feast and hunt, but tough schedule for the Giants. No AFC South this year. No beleaguered NFC North. Going up in weight class. So keep Waller on the field. Get improvement out of Jones. Have Saquon Barkley with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. I like the Giants. I'm probably going to bet them as an over this year. But can I also, before I'm putting the Giants on a certain pedestal, can I see them beat the Eagles or the Cowboys first? Or, or, or is that too much to ask? I don't know. It might be too much to ask. I don't know. Might be. All right. Let's take a couple of quick calls. Then we got a loaded show up. Jeff Francoeur, who does the Brave Games and TBS. And good timing because there's a lot to talk about with Jeff about the state of the Yankees, the Mets. His team that he gets to watch all the time in Atlanta. So I'm looking forward to having Frank Core on the show. Uh, we'll have our finale of the top five New York athletes. Uh, and then Larry's got trivia for me. It's wedding week. So I hope he takes it a smidge easy on me. But let's hear a couple of calls. 917-382-1151. Let's go, Steph. Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. I uh, kind of want to get a giant point today because the Yankees really aren't worth uh, talking much these days. Um, so as we're entering the NFL season, a lot has been made about if the Giants can take the next step. And obviously that includes what Daniel Jones is going to be. Um, me and my buddy get into a little bit of a debate all the time about Daniel Jones. He's pretty much already done with him. He doesn't want to kind of want to move on even, uh, before last year. And even this year, he's like, look at his numbers. They're not that great. 15 touchdown passes obviously isn't great. But my thing was that. He may have found the coach that actually found something in him that now we can work with, right? And so, what? Uh, asking you this, like, what are what do you think is a successful year just for Daniel Jones? Like, you know, fifteen touchdown passes as a quarterback isn't good. Obviously, he provides the rushing upside, but do you think he can get somewhere close to thirty touchdowns? Limit the interceptions. Um, obviously, you're hearing a lot of great things in camp about Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt. Um, Obviously, you have Saquon Barkley, so maybe this offense can be really good and more consistent, but just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, all right? And uh, congratulations on the wedding. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, I've seen man down many times at the Jersey Shore, so I know they're going to be awesome. All right, JJ, take care and congrats. Anthony, they are an outstanding band. Uh, we are in such good hands with the music selection. Uh, Brian and John and those guys, now they went to my high school, so that's how I know them. They were a couple of years older than me at good old Petrini's High School. They're unbelievably talented. And I've said that for a long, long time. And I'm glad that they have branched off of Staten Island and they do a bunch of gigs now. Like, they're down at Jenks. They do some place in LBI. I know Brian's doing his thing in Rockaway. Like, that's cool to me. Like, I love success stories like that. So, for me, listen, Kate wanted me involved in the wedding. I did not have the luxury of saying, hey, honey, it's all yours. She, she would not allow that. So I was given tasks. That was one of my tasks. First call I made. Only call I made. They're awesome. So you're spot on about that. Now, I want to throw that in there because I love our band a lot. They're fantastic. Anyway, Daniel Jones, as far as judging his season, I'm not a big believer in just looking at numbers and saying, oh, he's got to hit this benchmark or he's got to hit that benchmark. 
the eye test. He may have only thrown, what, I think he said 14 or 15 touchdowns last year. We all know how well he played. Didn't have a lot of talent around him. Ran the football incredibly well. Scored touchdowns using his legs. Took care of the football and won games. And made winning plays for the New York Giants. Do I want to see an uptick in his passing yards and his passing touchdowns with the improved talent? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. He's got more to work with this year. So the standard for him should be higher than what it was last year. They're also paying him $40-plus million. The hope is that he's going to continue into growing and being that franchise guy for Big Bull and company. And I do believe that Brian Dable has found something with this quarterback. The way he runs, it's like a Josh Allen light. Like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I expect Andrew Jones to play well again for the Giants this year. I really do. I think he's comfortable in his own skin. I think he knows the offense well. He's got more to work with. I think he's going to play well. But is he going to play well in those big games? Philly. Dallas. That's the next step. So that's something to watch. In addition to just, oh, what kind of numbers is he putting up this year? How's his performance against the big boys in the NFC East? Let's take one more. JJ, it's Will from Manhattan. How you doing, man? Uh, listen, I, I listen to, uh, I'm sure you got a lot of people calling, complaining about or giving their feedback on the uh, New York top 10, top 15 list. Uh, I know you gave a little disclaimer at the end of the last episode, but I couldn't just let you off that easy, my friend. The omission of Francisco Lindor is, in my opinion, just pure, pure JJ, Yankee, Met, hatred, and blindness. And, you know, your reasoning aside is that he didn't contribute enough to winning, or if maybe he had shown up in the month of June, is maybe the most absurd thing I've ever said. So you're basically saying that a guy has one bad month, and that disqualifies him, even though I saw that today. Says Lindor's fifth in the entire sport in war. That's not a uh, streaky or one-month thing, my friend. He's been doing it all season. Fuck any Mets fan. Literally only the idiots would ever, ever, ever tell you that Francisco Lindor had any hand in our season this year. All the guy has done is produce in the field, at the plate. Even if he had one down month where he wasn't hitting enough singles, his batting average was low. Check his home runs and RBIs the entire season. I'm sorry, my friend. That one is, as you say, garbage. All right? Next year, I need to see Francisco Lindor on that. Put some respect on his name. Have a great wedding this weekend, my man. Love the show. Bye. Listen, I love the discourse. I appreciate the debate. Number one, I don't give a shit about F4. Take the F4 and throw it in the garbage. Francisco Lindor has had a good year. He's had a good year. I am not fighting you on that in the least, Will. If you're going to sit there and tell me that his play on the field this year is comparable to Betts, to Acuna, to Freddie Freeman, or to Shohei Otani, take a walk. This is where F4 is a joke. Come on. Who in their right mind would honestly sit there and tell me, yeah, Lindor's year? It's right, it's right on par with those guys. Been good. And guess what? I am penalizing him. Because when the Mets needed him, the guy was nowhere to be found. Got off to a slow start. Had big at-bats. Forget about the numbers. Big at-bats in games that could have been won by the Mets earlier this year. We did not get the big hit. And I know his numbers are going to be there. Listen, here's the, the talking point. 
If you're going to tell me, Will, is he one of the best shortstops in baseball? 100%. No argument. Is he one of the 10 best players in baseball? No, he's not. He's not. And with this New York 15 list, hey, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't expect the Met fan to be happy with me. Guess what? This ain't a Yankee Met thing. But you see the list literally with Yankees right now? I don't think so. Both teams stunk. There are going to be two guys who are going to be on the list ahead of Francisco Lindor from a Yankee perspective. Guess what? Are better players. Simple as that. So I think with our list, the guys Lindor in theory could have bumped. The quarterback of the New York football giants, who I was not bumping, not with the year he had for the team last year and winning a playoff game. Wasn't going to do it. And you want to tell me he should be in over Mikael Bridges? You could make that argument. You could. Did I want to throw a net in there because I didn't want to hear from the five net fans who were out there? Yeah, maybe Maybe that was a little bit of my rationale and my thinking. You, you might be right. I think that is a far bigger talking point, conversation point, than the idea of him not being there from when the Mets really needed him. He wasn't. And you can make the same case about Alonzo, too. Here's the difference. Alonzo was hurt. So maybe I'm giving Pete a little bit of a pass for that. I might be. But I appreciate the debate and the discourse. I do. That's why these lists are fun. I'm sure the five net fans are going to be thrilled. It happens. All right. Speaking of which, we'll come back. Let's do it now, actually, Stefan. I'm feeling it. Let's do it now. On that note, the final reveal of the New York top five. Away we go. Number five. Number five on the list. Welcome to the 2023 list. He wasn't on the 2022 list. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, hands down, no questions asked, the best playmaker for the New York Giants a year ago. There were a lot of questions about Saquon Barkley coming back off the torn ACL, having this nightmarish 2021 season, and you could tell from week one against the Tennessee Titans that he was all the way back, that the burst, that the energy, it was there. And I think about Saquon in the biggest games for the New York Giants last year. Showed up against the Cowboys. Was incredible down in Washington when the Giants really needed him. Puff yards. That's always been a criticism of Saquon Barkley over the years. And how could you forget about his performance against the Minnesota Vikings? Saquon, go give me another monster year and you stay in that top five. Five on the list, Mr. Barkley. Number four. Number four on the list and... This is all you need to know about what I think about this individual player. This is all you need to know about what kind of career I think he's going to have. Sauce Gardner is number four on my list. Sauce Gardner was one of the two or three best corners in football a year ago. Do you realize how difficult that is to do from a rookie perspective? It doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be as good is Darrell Reeves. Darrell Reeves had a Hall of Fame career, as we know. Rookies? Sauce Gardner was better as well. I think Sauce Gardner is going to be the best corner in the NFL in 2023. You can talk to talk, you can walk the walk. He deserves this high praise. And I'm putting him ahead of Garrett Wilson, and I'm putting him ahead of Saquon Barkley, because you know what? His position is that hard to play. He thrives. And he's going to thrive some more. So, welcome a lot of football players on this list. 
shows you the state of New York baseball. Number four, Sauce Garden. Number three. Number three, best pitcher in baseball. I think the soon-to-be Cy Young Award winner. I know it was a dud the other day against the Boston Red Sox, but it's Garrett Cole. And I think now more than ever before, there is such a great appreciation for what Garrett Cole brings to a team every fifth day. In this day and age where guys don't get new seasons, they don't go deep in the ball games. There are openers. There's this. There's that. There's the babying of these particular guys. Garrett Cole goes 200-plus innings. He goes deep in the games. He is a bulldog. He wants the ball. He wants to be out there. I just wish the Yankees, simply put, had more Garrett Coles. It's a shame his 2023 soon-to-be Cy Young season is going by the boards. But number three on this list, the only pitcher in New York City on this list. Garrett Cole. Number two. All right, number two on the list. He had three home runs tonight. We know what he can do when he's on it. Outside of Otani, you might argue there's nobody else in the sport you'd rather have. Mr. Judge is a very special player. And he's getting penalized from where he was last year for two reasons. One, not his fault crashing into a wall at Dodger Stadium, which torpedoed his season and, in many ways, torpedoed the Yankees' season, even though the team was flawed and was not going deep into the playoffs and probably was not making the playoffs anyway. There's that. And the other thing that's penalizing this judge, the team stinks. So we know how great he is. We know how special he is. Came back and couldn't be a hero. Kind of sums up where the 2023 New York Yankees are at. But don't lose sight of the individual prowess that this guy brings to the table. And listen, anybody blaming Aaron Judge for what transpired with the New York Yankees this year, I'm sorry. They're not paying attention. The team was rotten. He, on the other hand, was not. So, Aaron Judge number two. Who's number one on the list? It's a new arrival. Who is it? Number one. Number one. And he earned it. He earned it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Put some respect on the name of one Jalen Brunson. He comes to the Knickerbockers. Big contract, which, by the way, now looks more reasonable and more affordable than ever. Can he finally be the savior at point guard that the Knicks have been lacking at that position for my entire lifetime? He's so much better than his numbers. The guy knows how to win. The intangibles are off the charts. This is a guy who balled out in the postseason, balled out winning a playoff round for the Knicks for the first time in a decade, and then did everything in his power to try to will the Knicks in the second round against the Miami Heat. It wasn't Jalen Brunson's fault that the Knicks fell short. He earned this title. He got through the year unscathed, unlike Aaron Judge. He played through injuries. And when you're a point guard playing at that level for the Knicks, you come in and have that sort of first-year impact, Dylan Brunson, who is going to be a fixture in the New York top 15. Well, for 2023, he's number one on my list. All right, we go from our New York top 15. Jeff Francoeur, I love. I think he's terrific on television. We're going to have a little fun with him. It's like a therapy session. The Mets stink. The Yankees stink. He does the Brave games. Why are they so good? Lots of fun with Francoeur coming up. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. 
America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So, I have a couple week one lines already circled, already lined up. I think you guys know where I'm at from a future standpoint. Houston Texans, probably going to be adding that as an under. New York Giants at seven or seven and a half. Probably going to be adding that as an over. So, a lot to do between now and the start of the year. And now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So, visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV. Base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and a current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. I'm stoked to welcome this guy to the program. Does a great job on TBS. And he's reuniting in the Braves booth. It's it's like the, the quad. I don't know what you want to call it, but you got Schmaltz, you got Glavin, you got Chipper, and you got Jeff Francoeur. Uh, Jeff, thanks for a few minutes. Welcome to New York, New York. Um, I think it's fair to say that you and I would have probably expected this Brave Mets series to have a lot more meaning and significance back in April than it's going to have here in August. Just saying, dude. Let me tell you, man. I, I you know, I, I know you're a Yankees fan. When I looked at this homestand, Yankees, Giants, Mets, I thought it's going to be the biggest nine games of the year in Atlanta, and uh, it just <laughs> it hasn't turned out that way. And and you know, I, I think the Mets for me are the one that's surprising because yeah, I just figured with what they did last year and then getting Burlander and doing, you figured that, you know, okay, maybe they win 95 games or 92 games, but I did not see what was going to happen. And the Braves, on the other hand, just completely went the other way and just, you know, became the best offense in baseball. You get to watch this team every day in Atlanta. And Jeff, I'm a little envious, not going to lie. Get an opportunity to watch Acuna and Matt Olson, who's filling the shoes of Freddie Freeman and Albies. And you just go up and down the line of Austin Riley, Murphy. It's outrageous what you guys are running out there from an everyday lineup standpoint. But as a guy who's doing the games day in and day out, and you played on some really good teams, what the Braves have been able to do from player development the international market, making those wise trades. And now you see the lineup they're running out there day in and day out. It's fair to say that they, in many ways, Jeff, have kind of become like that model franchise once again that everybody's chasing in baseball. Yeah, you know what? I give Alex Santopoulos a lot of credit, man, because, you know, in the last two years, he's let go the face of the franchise and Freddie Freeman. And they got, again, he has done a great job of getting position players signed to long-term contracts that, you know, they pay really well, but they're excited to be here. And then they've developed some pitching too. And I think that's, you know, look, you've got in this day and age, 
I just don't think you can go buy teams anymore like you did 20, 30 years ago. I look at this Braves team and that that's what, you know, they're $170, $175 million team out there. Half of these other teams are in twice the talent. So it's, again, like I said, Alex, I give him a lot of the credit because he was able to kind of orchestrate this whole, this whole scenario. That's a great point, Jeff, on the idea of roster construction. And I almost think in a way you're seeing Steve Cohen, who's got a gazillion dollars and can basically get from a financial standpoint, any player he wants kind of realize that, Hey, guess what? Just because I have a ton of money and I can go and make a run at any free agent I want. I mean, they paid Verlander $40 million this past winter. They go and get Scherzer and blow him out of the water two winters ago. They're realizing, Jeff, if you don't have young, dynamic position players in this day and age now, it's just tough to build a team through free agency, and it's tough to build a team with a bunch of 30-somethings. Like, you know, for every 2009 Yankees, I can find you five and six and seven other examples of teams that can't find a way to get it done. Is that a shift, Jeff, that you've noticed, like, gradually? Or is that something that you've kind of noticed the last couple of years where it's like, wow, the way to build a baseball team is just drastically different now in 2023? Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, again, I give Steve Cohen a lot of credit for, for punting this year. Because, you know, it would have been easy to keep those guys and do this. And I think he's realizing exactly what you said. Look at the trend. Go back to the Royals, then go to the Cubs, then go to the Astros. All young position players that have come up. And when it was time to win, they went and added a couple starters. Uh, You know, the Cubs with Lester, uh, Johnny Cueto and and James Shields with the Royals. Then you go to the the Astros. They went and got Cole and Burr. Lander and even Charlie Morton was there, you know, it's kind of back and forth. And, and that's kind of what the Braves have done. And so I, I agree. Like I, you know, I've done three or four Yankees games this year uh, with, with TBS. And then of course I did the three that they were here in Atlanta for this past week. And that's my biggest thing. Like watching Volpe for me, at le- I know the guy's taking his lumps and he's got, but I love seeing the athleticism. I love seeing the strong arm across the field. And my whole thing, it's like with the Mets, Brett Beatty. Why the hell is he in AAA at time? Bring him up and see what he can do. Like, you are only going to learn to hit in the big leagues. You can send him down to AAA, he's going to hit 340. He's got to hit big league pitching. That's such a great point with minor leaguers. Because learning in AAA is one thing. Learning in the big leagues and hitting big league pitching, it's another animal. And the Yankees now, Jeff, where they're at, They should be calling all their kids up in September. Let's see what they could do over the final month of the year. They need that infusion of youth. You've seen the Yankees a handful of times, and you saw them in Atlanta. Jeff, it was so eye-opening. You know, the big, bad New York Yankees, just the talent discrepancy and just the look and the feel of both baseball teams. Was that stunning for you doing Yankee games? And you're like, wow, these these are the New York Yankees? You know, because of just what you're accustomed to. But that's why... For me, I, I'm a little more compassionate on it, on the Aaron Boone. People get, wanting to get on him because I'm like, you go down before that series, okay? And you go into Aaron Boone's office and you lay up the Braves lineup next to the Yankees lineup, right? Which one you rolling with? You know what? Which it's not even it's not even a comparison. And so you know that's where I I look at it sometimes. Like 
what do you want Booney to do? Who do you want him to play? And, you know, I, I give Judge a lot of credit, man. He, he, he's 40% right now, and he's trying to trug out there just, just to be out there. But I do – I think these young position players, you need to see what they can do because – well, you know, what if two of these guys come up and they rake the last month, month and a half? Might be a, a one or two less guys that you can save money on this offseason and go get pitching. And the Yankees thought they were going to have a rotation. That, that's another thing, Jeff. They thought Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez and Luis Severino – was going to round out Garrett Cole and have one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Their ERA is a total mess. All three of those guys I just mentioned outside of Cole have not delivered. And I go back to the ALCS last year with the Astros. You know, they played the Astros. You did that series. No. They didn't belong on the same field with Houston. They just didn't. Like Houston watching, being at Yankee Stadium for game three, then watching game four. Like the Astros were a vastly superior team. And I know Carlos Rodon's a really good pitcher. That was not enough, though, in trying to close the gap with a team as good as Houston, especially with the Orioles and their improvement, the Rangers and their improvement, like up and down the American League. The way I see it, Jeff, no, the Yankees didn't do enough. This. I was on the Rangers in 2010 when we came to Yankee Stadium for the ALCS and, and we beat the Yankees to get to the World Series. That place was electric, you know, and they had an unbelievable team. It was a great series. Last year, walking in there to game three with the Astros and Yankees, like you said, it felt like a morgue because it was almost like those fans knew there's no way we're beating this team. You know, like like there's zero chance that we can compete. And that's why I actually said what the Mariners did last year was pretty dang impressive because I know they got swept by the Astros, but they were either tied or ahead late in all three of those ballgames um, that they lost. So, but, but like you said, they played and it was just night and day difference and you know, I think, you know, Cashman, they're going to have to decide some things. Both these teams in New York this year are going to have to kind of change over their rosters in a certain way. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they have to. Okay. You're a guy that played in New York. I remember you doing interviews oh, yeah. with Mike and the Dog yeah. back in the day, Jeff. Remember them well. You were a, you were a, quite the, the favorite of, of Mr. Francesa. So you know a thing or two. Yep. about playing in the city and how to navigate and how to deal with the city. For somebody that's like a, a new player coming into New York, as a guy who's done it before, what's the biggest piece of advice? Same you would thing give I him? tell my four kids every freaking day when they come home from school. Accountability. You got to be accountable. If you're not accountable, then you know what, man? You're going to get buried. I played in New York. I played in Philadelphia. And it's like anything. Did I have my rough times? Absolutely. I had some rough games. I did it. But you know what? I was there ready to answer every freaking question Mike Puma would throw at me for 30 minutes. And, you know, but I, I joke, you know, look, I like Mike. We've talked forever. But you you have to understand y'all want answers, right? I mean, that that's what that's what the big thing is. When something goes on, someone wants to know why the hell did this go on? And I think that's one of the big things in New York. I tell people every time you go up there, be accountable. You know, the, the Mets actually just drafted uh, a kid from my school, Colin Houck, out of Parkview High School in Atlanta, where me and Matt Olson went. And I talked to him about it. I said, look, man, good or bad, you got to answer the questions. You got to take responsibility. And if you do that, you save you. Doesn't mean you're not going to get, you know, ridiculed some. But you will gain some respect from those riders. Okay. Last year, Jeff, Phillies stunned the Braves. Phillies, 
who were a third place team. Yep. They weren't on the same stratosphere in the regular season with the Mets and the Braves. They go and win in four games. Kind of the way I look at the NL right now, I see the Braves and the Dodgers. They're the two best teams. They're the most talented teams. But if there's somebody that's going to crash the party yep. when you're getting ready to do the NLCS, a- am I crazy to say the Philadelphia Phillies have the best opportunity out of those other teams in the National League to, dare I say, crash the party? I would say so, because if Wheeler, Nola, a couple of those guys get hot, they got the arms to go dominate, and they got the offense to score runs. I mean, they, they can do it. I, I think the thing that this Braves team is different than than last year is last year the Braves were second in baseball in strikeouts. Now, this year, they're tied for the sixth least amount of strikeouts. You talk about a turnaround, and now you're talking about a team that's leading by 30 home runs in baseball. So I think they've done a good job because you know, as well as I do in the playoffs, you got to put the ball in play. You cannot strike out 12 to 15 times a game in the playoffs. If you do that, you're going to lose. And unfortunately for the Braves offensively, Wheeler, Nola, they did that to them last year and they clipped them. And, and you know, as well as I do in a five game series, if you're going to get clipped, that's when they can get you. You know, I did the NLCS with our five games. I said, if that game went to seven games, no way the Nets would have beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series, I didn't think. But they had just enough pitching and just enough offense to get them in five. So with the strikeouts, that's been a big topic of conversation around here, especially with the Yankees. How do you go, Jeff, you're watching the Braves every day. How do they go about this transformation? It's a lot of the same hitters. It's a lot of the same guys. What, what's been the biggest difference in their approach? You know, man, They've made a conscious effort that they're saying, I'm going to put the ball in play, man. I, I'm, I'm, if there's a guy on third and there's one out, instead of trying to have the big swing, that's the biggest thing I notice now. When I announce games, you know what blows me away? How many times I see the infield back, a runner at third, and this guy's up there taking a math. And, and, and you, you're trading out for a run every day of the week. But what happens, they take some big swings. Then you get yourself into two strikes and they go into protect mode and they might strike out. Whereas I'm like, Chipper Jones used to tell me all the time, man, in that situation, look for early contact. You want something you can to punch you out. And that's what this team and Yes, they're going to hit the long ball, but I've also seen him score four runs in an inning on six singles. Jeff, final one. You're getting back together with the old band. That's got to be a ton of fun for you. I mean, listen. You put on all-time Brave teams. You got there at the end of it, but a bunch of those guys are still there. Chipper Jones was still there. You had Glavin until he became a New York Met, and then he ends up coming back. Smoltz, a Hall of Famer. Like, you're in the booth with those guys. You're just shooting the shit, basically, with three Hall of Famers. It's it's awesome, man. And, you know, I grew up here. So to grow up, to watch these guys, and, of course, they're friends now. I golf with them. I hang out. But to see them be able to explain that's the biggest thing chipper's smartest hitter i ever played with to be able to ask him about austin riley how he struggled and came back and different things and really hear that has been so much fun and of course you know it's amazing we had some people you know well it's tough without a play-by-play guy i'm like yeah we're doing one or two games a year it's not like we're doing this every night if we did it every night yeah i won't want to listen either but when you do one every the first half and one the second half I think it's pretty cool and people will enjoy it. 
No doubt about it. Have a ton of fun. By the way, uh, if we're ranking the the foursome on the golf course, Smoltz, Glavin, Francoeur, Chipper. How many strokes? Who who's laying the least amount of strokes? That's what I want to know. Well, Smoltz, Smoltz, he's given out all the strokes, and he's probably given he's probably given go. me two a two aside. He's given Glav three aside. He's probably given Chipper four aside. Yeah, Smoltz, man. Uh, that it's guy. Unbelievable. I, I, I hear him talk golf. He loves man, it, man. It, it he loves kills, it. Well, it Jeff, kills me because I don't want to blow his head up anymore, but he's a damn good golfer. I'll give him that. Nah, let's, you, you guys, it's not fair. The way you hit a baseball, throw a baseball, hit a golf ball. That's, <laughs> how, that's how you guys are cyborgs. Thank you know? you. That's why, Jeff. Listen, thank Absolutely. you for a few minutes. Have a great call this week uh, and have a great call with the postseason. Unfortunately, uh, not much of a New York presence this year, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. No, I know. All right. Well, next year. That's Jeff Francoeur. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. Bye-bye. You know, Francoeur was always a guy in New York that was accountable, even on terrible Met teams. That's why he was a favorite of Mr. Francesa. There's no getting around that. Felt like he was on, like, every single week. Bad Met teams you knew were going to hear from Francoeur. So, not surprised he ended up being a good broadcaster. Okay. Trivia time, Larry. It's a wedding week. Please, take it easy on JJ, Larry. Okay, question one. Name the three quarterbacks that won five or more playoff games in their first three seasons in the league. Question two. Name the only player in MLB history to hit 20 homers, steal 20 bases, and driving a hundred runs in his rookie season. I'm out. All right, Larry. I'm starting with your football question. Maybe it's because I'm in football mode. Five or more playoff wins in their first three years in the league. You got to go with the obvious. Uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> really? Ah, uh, you know why? I know why. Because Brady's. First year in the league was 2000. See, I always think of that as his rookie year. It's not. That's a trick question. All right. I think I'm confident in answer number two. Russell Wilson. Felt good about that one. One down, two to go. Uh, Number two. And this is another one that might get a little dicey, but I still think it will work. Even with him not playing the first year. Patrick Mahomes. No, but that makes sense because he won only the one playoff game his second year and then won the Super Bowl the next year, three, fell short. So there are two more quarterbacks that fit this bill. The second one, Ben Roethlisberger. There you go. Because he won the one in 4 against the Jets and then he won four, including the wild card round, the following year. Hmm. So I got Big Ben, I got Russell Wilson, and there is one more quarterback. Early success. I'm going to go John Elway. Didn't win the Super Bowl. Montana. Mm, okay.
instant success. Young quarterback. Not Favre. Not Manning. Not Eli. Not Rodgers. Is this an obvious name, Stefan? Yeah, very obvious. It's more. It's actually more recent than you think. You're thinking of older guys. This guy is actually very recent. It's happened like very recently. And very obvious. Very recent. Very obvious. Okay. Joe Burrow. There you go. Took some work, but we got there. We got there, Larry. All right, your baseball question seems like a doozy. Um, 20, 20, and 100 as a rookie. Oh, man. 20, 20, and 100 as a rookie. Tatis Jr. Nah, didn't love that answer. I gotta be honest, they didn't. 20, 20, 100. Eric Davis. Nah, no. Steph, is this one within the last 30 years? Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the last thirties, um, this happened uh, late nineties. Late nineties. Late nineties. Twenty twenty hundred. Late nineties. Raphael for Cal. Nope. It's not A-Rod. It's not A-Rod. Because it's a rookie. Oh, man. I'm struggling here with this one. Very much struggling. Rookie. This guy who runs a lot. Clearly, and has pop. American and National League player, Stefan. This guy did it in the American League. He was an American okay, League. So and was- to give you any more credit, obviously, if he had those kind of stats, to be obvious, he won Rookie of the Year that year as well. Okay. Won the Rookie of the Year, AL player, 20-20-100. Carlos Beltran. That's a tough question. That's a very, very tough question. And Beltran did it with the Kansas City Royals. And Carlos Beltran, when it's all said and done, by the way, will be a Hall of Famer. Not even a doubt in my mind. I don't care about what happened with the Astros in 2017. Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Famer. The numbers, the career, the speed, the defense, the power. It's all there, and he's probably going to go in as a Met. 
You think about Carlos Beltran's hat in Cooperstown. What's he going as a Royal? Nah. He's not going in as an Astro. He's not going in as a Cardinal. He's going in as a Met. And the Met fan really didn't appreciate Beltran until the end. At least some of them. Some of them might have, but there was a sentiment of Met fans who really did not appreciate what Carlos Beltran brought to that team year in and year out. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, I need a winner for the wedding. Let's go here. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks would be for, for Thursday the 24th and Saturday the 26th. We've got one game each, and on the 24th on Thursday, I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins minus the 125 over the Texas Rangers. On Saturday, we're going to go with a college football game. We're going to go with Navy plus the 20 and a half over Notre Dame. So again, Thursday action in baseball, I'm going to take the Twins minus the 20, 125. And in college football, I'm going to go with Navy on Saturday plus the 20 and a half. And for you on Friday, I wish you lots of luck on your big day for Friday. Uh, let's see what you got on tap on your end. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. And you are so right. Week zero, college football, Dublin, Ireland for Navy and Notre Dame, where the Irish are laying 20 and a half points. I mean, my, my thought process is grab the 20 and a half with the midshipmen. That said, I do think Notre Dame is going to be in for a big year. Just can't be laying 20 and a half points in week one. So I'll ride that play with you with the Navy midshipmen after uh, a very eventful Friday night. And when we get back on Sunday, I will be in Newport, Rhode Island. Getting a couple of days away, but we'll have, a, we'll have a mini pod. We'll have a mini pod for you on Sunday. We want to stay in rhythm. We want to make sure we're gearing up, ready for the start of the football season. Um, basically, right after this wedding, it's all systems go. It's pod Sunday, pod Labor Day Thursday, Labor Day weekend, and then all of a sudden you're going to look up and it's holy smokes. We're ready for our football preview, and then I will be in Vegas week one. For Lions and Chiefs and all of our football Friday festivities. So, Stefan, I will see you on the dance floor Friday night. I appreciate all the love and the well wishes. We'll chat Sunday. Are you married? I'm off the market. What's up with that? JJ out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-NOW within Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.